When we're ready to do a podcast, we step up to the microphones and it comes out something like this. This is a Verb Moto broadcast. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. Thanks to all the sponsors who make Verb Moto go. And thanks to the listeners for checking out all of these episodes. So much fun to do. This one happens to particularly be with Stu Baylor. The guy's an absolute riot and so much fun to talk to. Opinionated and always gets on his soapbox anytime he gets the opportunity to speak his mind. Check out this episode and all the archived episodes on the Verb Pod Network. And as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to a Verb Moto broadcast. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and joining me on the line for the second time in about three months, he it's championship weekend, or week rolling into the GNCC uh, final round coming up in not-so-distant future. He's spent the entire day dealing with some adversity on the RV side of things, on the motorhome side of things. He goes by the name of Stuart Baylor. Stuart, how's it going? It's good. Uh, I, I I wish it was going great, but we'll just go with good. Um, <laughs> you know, I still get to chase a dream, and yes. uh, but it doesn't always come easy. So last night, I, I, on the way home from Loretta's, the RV had some issues, um, made it almost to Nashville, had to tow it to Nashville, went to the Cummins dealership, got a call that they couldn't finish all the work, had to tow it to Freightliner. I'm like $3,000 in tow bills at that point goes to Freightliner. The extended warranty that comes with the RV um, only covered like up to $200 in labor. Well, if anybody knows anything about diesel mechanics and a $250 hourly rate, Oof. that did not go very far. <laughs> so uh, go, go to pick that thing up finally three months later um, and head to the GNCC. And I guess when they updated the computer at Freightliner, it gave my DEF system problems, and DEF is the devil, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. Um, it needs to be deleted, but the second you delete it, uh, you're you're signing somebody else up to go to jail um, because now it's felony to do that. Uh, and yeah, so anyways, long story short, had to get it towed because of a update that they decided to give my RV while they kept it for. Three months to replace a $30 fan clutch wire. So, um, yeah, uh, Freightliner in Nashville. Do not stop on the way home from Loretta's. Go anywhere but there. <laughs> Fair enough. That is not a resounding uh, testimonial from one Stuart Baylor, the 514 in your program. What's in the number? Why, why for 514? It was reoccurring. It's weird. Um, okay. You know, I... I I, I really thought about this, and I should have done 518 because if you look at 518, like it's it's pretty much my initials SLB. So okay. yeah. um, my Ooh, kid, actually, my that, kid that is that also is. we 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 go with Levi, but he's actually Steward the fifth. Um, but no, uh, 514 was completely a coincidence, a reoccurring number. So um, when I was a kid racing the Citra and Mideast races, and GMCCs as well. Um, in one season, I had earned the number five in the Citra Youth Series, number 14 in the Mideast Youth Series. Um, the following year, I was number five in the Mideast Series, number 14 in the Adult Series at, um, at the Citra races. 
and then number 14 in the GNCC races on the youth side. Um, the following year, I was number five in the adult series, <laughs> the adult series at Citra. Okay. Um, and number one in the youth series at Mideast, and number five at GNCC. The following year, I was number one in all of them. Um, no big deal. In XC2, we we now moved to a new house in Belton. The street address was 514 Forest Lane. Um, <laughs> that same year, I was ranked number, uh, number 14 in the GNCC adult ra- uh, pro race. The next year, I was number five. The next year, I was number one. My brother reoccurred the same exact way from number 14 to number five. Um, and, and then the following year he won XC2. So it was, uh, it was just reoccurring. And I was like, I, we're just sticking with it. I was, I was 538 before that. And, and those were reoccurring numbers as well. Like 38 was always a reoccurring number. And then, and then it changed to 14, like kind of replaced it. It butted it out like every single year for some reason it came up. So, um, yeah, just a, just a, weird coincidence thing and it was like all right we got to throw these numbers together but um yeah for as for my kid if he doesn't just steal my number which i'm hoping he doesn't um because that seems to be like the thing like the kids just steal the dad's numbers it's, it's really bs like you think about it like raise these kids yeah be an individual numbers. yeah yeah like come on let's do something for your own but um he's already taken my name like <laughs> killing me so um but yeah, just just one of those weird things. Same thing with my brother. Like he he kept after the year he would be number number five. He would get number three. Um, so he was the same just same weird reoccurring numbers. Um, or maybe his were different. He would get number fourteen, then number three. It was it was just really weird. So we just picked our numbers based on reoccurring shit because we raced every weekend. And for the moto racers, like they may not understand because the way that motor racing goes you get to choose your number like aside from being number one and off-road you get the number based on what your overall was and that overall position is based off the entire season um and it's it's never a chosen number unless you see those three-digit numbers so that's why you see a lot of off-road guys using a three-digit number because then we get to choose it um outside of that like it is an earned number. The top 20, especially, you cannot interfere with those top 20. It is it is com- it is completely an earned number um, that goes on your motorcycle if you choose to run it. So, um, with with a lot of guys, you'll see you'll see three digit numbers in off road just simply because of that. And it's based off the entire season. You'll notice that from the B class to the Pro class, we're all in the same race. So. It, it is an entire season. Your your overall is based over the entire year, whether you're B rider or a pro rider. Um, and then the second race or the the AM race, the amateur race, the women's, the C, the sportsman's class, the H classes, same thing. So yeah, it's just a, a different way of doing things. But um, just a, so, some quick clarification because I know you have a quite large motocross audience. Yes, we do. Uh, but much like 
off-road itself, our off-road audience is growing. Um, you as well as I know, growing up, uh, off-road wasn't always sort of painted in like the coolest light. Didn't always have the coolest gear. Um, it was like, it was almost kind of like a redheaded stepchild of moto, uh, in the moto community. But now it's, it's a subculture in and of itself. It's really taken on a genesis of like, there's gear companies that built, build stuff specifically for it and it, like there's they're really cool looking stuff and even the bikes themselves have evolved to look uh that much more dynamic and the skill set that is riding in the trees and being able to hit rocks and um and knowing how to set up a bike for that all of that like the respect level and just like sort of like the the way the the sort of the perception of off-road racing throughout your lifetime of it um has changed dramatically it's actually pretty cool to see yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think, I think that there's a few reasons. Um, I, I think number one, like a lot of people don't realize that Loretta Lens, Outdoor National, uh, in Racer X, all of these entities started from GNCC. Um, and I think that right now, it's it's they've kind of bridged the gap. I mean, the the Coombs family, who is over top of realistically, if they're not if they're not in charge, they're somewhere in a hot seat over anything two wheel related. Um, they 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 have pull across our entire industry, right? And I think that that they have that they have kind of directed people towards off road in the last few years. Um, and you know, it's it's kind of, it's kind of an all, ongoing joke, like. Some of the pro riders, like we've we've talked about a little bit, like it. The reason that people ride off road is because they're that bad. Like they're scared to see themselves. That they don't want to be in front of a crowd. Like that's that's the that's kind of the joke. Like the moto guys like to play on off road, but um, you know anymore. And I'll laugh, and I will definitely agree with some of that. But go to your local motocross track and and. Let's talk about it because I own a motocross track. Like there is, uh, there is definitely some characters out there that that would never make it around a single lap on anything that we line up for our easiest race. Um, but I think I think beyond the Coombs kind of bridging and, and and assisting in that, I think the <clears throat> the manufacturers have noticed that majority of competitive motorcycle sales do go towards off road, and that's a fact. Um, you can look it up. Uh, Beyond that, we are finally getting some traction from guys like you, uh, the media side, and I think that that helps tremendously. We're we're starting to grow that media presence again, and there was a, a brief period early early KR championship days where Brandon Bowling was was following around, like people started following off road. Um, if you asked anybody at a motocross track if they knew anybody from the off-road, they knew one name, Caleb Russell, and I think that that was strictly driven from the the motorsport, the verb side of what Brandon was doing at that time. Right. Um, and then it kind of just disappeared. Like, it went cold. Um, and now we're, you know, for the last few years, it started to grow. I'm seeing Zach come here, like, although his results aren't great, like, people are paying attention from the motocross side and now all these little things are assisting and kind of bridging that gap like to where to where we're equally respected 
Um, and, and too, like when people see a guy on an off road, uh, from the off road that can ride, that can ride a true outdoor national pace. Like it, it shows some respect. Like I think, I think Caleb had a really bad showing. Like he was kind of done with his career when he did that, but yeah. that did still, that still assisted tremendously in, in showing like, man, the guy can still qualify every weekend straight through, um, he was injured, like a lot of people. A lot of people were like, "Oh yeah, he's having rough races." Like, dude, the guy crushed his face in before the season started. Never actually got to test that moto bike and just went straight to it. When we saw him line up the year prior, he was running podium pace. Yes, it was a mutter, but he qualified straight through. And I think P11 at Unadilla, a very fast, shallow track that day, like right. not an off-road guy's dream. So yeah, I mean, all these things I think are assisting and. Um, you know, it's cool to see and shit. Like I, I own a motocross facility and I make my, I make my moto guys ride in the woods. I make my off-road guys ride on a moto track. And I think it's, you know, it, 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 it helps tremendously all around, um, to have these guys and, and all of the elements. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad to see it growing and I'm glad to see guys like yourself showing some interest in it. It, it, I think it can only, only do good for us. Certainly, uh, you're totally right. I think this, the respect level for the skill set is at an all time high, and it continues to grow. Uh, I think the real linchpin as to see like the, just the notoriety and the recognition is the ability for like the cameras today being able to go into the woods, whether it's on drone shots or on GoPros, um, or just the the accessibility of being able to go out there and take some photos because. Like, if you would have looked at a lot of, like, Dirt Rider magazine or Dirt Bike magazine back in the day, uh, a lot of those photos were taken almost on, like, the edge of the course, not into, like, the teeth of where where the, the action was really happening. Now you have, like, uh, 260 frames per second of you guys going through these gnarly sections, and it really sheds light on uh, on just how difficult it is in there, why you need those bark busters, and honestly, the 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 industry must love off road because when I see you guys ride, I I just think of my like uh, Stuart, I think of my my KTM 252 stroke with my beautiful uh, uh, like expansion chamber bashed to shreds uh after only just a lap or two um off-road is hard on motorcycles and when something's hard on motorcycles that's great for the parts counter yeah a hundred percent i you know i i discussed i i i've had this exact discussion i i think i've actually talked about this in a podcast before like motocross guys they like to look good and that means we are going to buy some mother's polish this week. Uh-huh. Some aluminum brightener. Always. An SOS pad, a new set of graphics, and new tires. And by God, we are definitely FC one the hell out of this bike. Maybe even the seat cover and the brakes just to make them bling. Absolutely. Through the rider. We're gonna look good. Why but do you need you, to grip the bike? Add that val- exactly. And when you add that value together, you come up with a whopping, what is a graphic set? 199 bucks. Um, the new tires. Three hundred bucks. Call it another 199 bucks. Like, I don't, I don't even, is that what it costs? So, I don't so, know. So we're like 500 bucks, the mother's polish. Well, that's not even in the industry. Like, call it 550 bucks to get, to get that bike looking good. And then you've got James down the street. His coal miner that rides that rides his off road dirt bike 
and he went to Snowshoe last week. Uh-huh. He roached two tires because he got in the rocks and got stuck. He destroyed a bib moose for up to 400 bucks. He's not going to change those graphics because, by God, he bought those last year, and they still look okay because you can see the numbers. He ripped off his rear fender. There's another 199 bucks. <laughs> we got to buy a plastic set. We're not putting a new sticker on that, by the way. No. Um, so might look a little ugly. Uh, we're we're already we've already surpassed the, the motocross number. I, I don't even know what a fender costs. I think it's ninety nine bucks, not one hundred ninety nine. I had a lot of people comment that on my post actually, so I should oh, know. You're so out of touch, you. Yeah, yeah. I've ripped off quite a few rear fenders. Completely unintentional though. Yeah. <laughs> um, he he tacoed his front wheel when he hit that that rocky fire break doing about eighty. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got to rebuild his suspension. So we're at like eleven hundred bucks because James left Brock Quarry to go down and, and hit and hit another one. Um and yeah, so the off road, I mean, overall, like there is a lot of money spent and it's just upkeep. I mean, every single week, man, we we have had we have had a a a, a fiasco this year especially with rain and bad weather, um, it has been an, an absolute nightmare. But it's good for the industry. Um, as bad as it sucks for some of the guys and, and ourselves our, as a team caught in the crosshairs, like, man, all those replaceable parts, like, we're just flooding the industry with a little more money. And, um, you know, I, I think the off-road, the off-road market is, is, has had, has, has had a light shed over it, but it's definitely coming around right now. Yeah, it certainly is, and, and yeah, you didn't you didn't even mention the the fifty or sixty beers that that uh, that James has to buy in order to prepare himself and the absolute specimen that he is to prepare for himself for uh, for a weekend of racing. That that that's all baked into the pot. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so the, the, the season has been, uh, like it's been all over the place. Mud, it's been, I think you guys have had maybe two dry races all year at best. Uh, you've had Zach Heron calling the entire action. Uh, you've had good races. You've had not so good races. Um, but you roll into the final weekend, uh, like you said earlier with the ability to continue to chase a dream. Um, what needs to happen this weekend in order for you to uh, roll out of Crawfordsville, Indiana, uh, with your head held high? Which, uh, just but just so you know, uh, is a forty percent chance of rain on Friday. Man, it's uh, it it it's gonna be re- realistically like I I need to leave here getting top two, and if I if I leave here. In a top two position, obviously with the issues that I had last week, um, I will 100% be able to leave saying, you know what, I did everything I could. Because if Craig DeLong were to DNF or have the same results that I had last weekend, then I would still be a champion. Um, But obviously you can't control everything that happens. I, I feel, I, I feel that I, I know I was the best rider. Um, I, I don't think that I, I, I genuinely do not think that, that anybody would have beat me last week. 
I went through those guys so fast um, that there's no way that I would not have gotten to the front of that pack. Um, I just, I just, <laughs> bad luck struck. I mean, and, and, and that's all I can chalk it up to. Like we've discussed the, the way the shock, the shock bolt came out, the way, or if it was broke, we don't actually know. Did it break? Did it come out? I didn't see, I didn't see any piece of it left in there. I have to imagine that it, that it came, that it backed out after an hour and 40 minutes of racing. But at the same time, you've got to think like we're an hour and 40 minutes into this event. There's no way that it was left loose at the beginning. It would have never made five minutes, much less an hour and a half, hour 45. Um, so with that said, like, I'm just chalking it up as bad luck. I've been in the same shitty situation before where, you know, a, a championship was essentially stripped, um, happened at the Ironman. Um, so all I can do is keep my head held high, walk away knowing that I did everything I can. And that means that I need to get top two. If I don't get top two, then, uh, this championship wasn't, wasn't mine to begin with. Um, although realistically, <clears throat> I knew I was the fast guy on that track that day, which should have given me a 10 point margin, which would mean I needed to get top three this weekend. So, um, you know, I, I, I genuinely believe that, but man, Craig's been a hell of a rider. He's, he's ridden like a champion and, and absolutely nothing against him. He's, he's just had a really good year and I've had two DNFs and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's part of it. Like we've had some, had some shit luck, had a clutch failure there in uh, Pennsylvania that put us back in ninth, um, uh, DNF at Camp Coker. And now the one last week, I, I'm, I'm going to chalk it up as a DNF because I got one point, um, went back out on the track, did what I could, got up to where I was getting four or five points and KO'd myself and totaled my new helmet, but just trying to ride too hard for <laughs> what was there. But, you know, it's, uh, it, it's frustrating. So, but to wrap that one up, I need to get top two, hold my head high, whether he wins or not, I'll shake his hand. It was a hell of a good year. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been fun, fun battling a kid that, that I watched kind of come through the ranks. Certainly. No, it's a table set for two, 13 points is the difference. Uh, the tw- no, the 23 points. It's 23, 23 points. For I'm bad overall. at math. That was Canadian math. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa! There's no way you can be business and bad at math. <laughs> you're you're just tired. Just just say that you're tired. All right, I'm Come tired. Chalk it up. Chalk it up. It's coming up. Yeah, we're, um, it's three o'clock in the morning. And then XC one. I think I I think basically he has to get thirteenth or worse for me to get the championship um, overall, and for me to get the XC one championship, I want to say he has to get like maybe eighth or worse. So, um, which technically they don't go by those points, but man, I'm, I'm calling them out like shit. If you don't have 20 guys to stack that gate at an XC one, which they should then flat out, like I'm going, I'm, I'm going to be the self-proclaimed. If, if Craig does eighth or worse, I'm going to be the self-proclaimed XC one champion because that truly is points wise what I would be. Right. Just, they go off overall. 
Fair enough. All right. Like, um, th- this, this weekend coming up, it's a track that you're, you're familiar with. It's a course you're familiar with. Uh, what are its challenges and, uh, how does it complement your riding style? You know, it's, it's, it's one of those races that I don't know if it's actually that good of a track. It's just always our last round. So everybody enjoys it because we've had a long damn season and, you know, we've been racing since first weekend of February at this point. Um, so everybody enjoys it, which is tough because everybody lines up there knowing it's the last race and guys who haven't signed a contract yet line up knowing that they have to do absolutely anything and everything they can to get that last chance at a contract. Um, and a lot of riders don't sign until that last round. Like your, your top three or four do, but beyond that, like a lot of guys don't have a contract, you know, myself only running a team right now. Like, um, it's, it's one of those, one of those situations where for for me, like I, I know anybody can be good, but at the same time, um, as far as for me personally, it is one of my favorite tracks. Um, <laughs> I just told you it's everybody's favorite, but it, it, it is one of my favorite tracks. Phenomenal dirt, good time of year, um, and I, I think that the last couple of years I've ridden really well here. I should definitely be able to to run up front, and I don't think that we should have any issues. Um, you know, we've we've put a lot of work into the season, and you know, last week I, again I'm chalking it up as bad luck, but uh, a, a win will be great, and it'd be a hell of a way to close out the season. You know, my first year running a team, racing racing the whole nine yards, and walking away from from the support that I had. So, um, you know, either way. My head's held high. I think that I can win this event, and man, if I can, it's uh, it just is what it is. We're gonna we're gonna keep everything rolling towards next year. Love it. Uh, yeah, you bet on yourself this year, man. Um, what has the, been the biggest lesson you've learned while ru- ru- uh, running your own team? Um, it's like they, I'm, I'm sure there's, it's been a, a year of some hard knocks. You know. That's a yes. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, definitely, definitely the hard knocks. Um, it's it's been a it, it's been a tough season because I haven't only been able to focus on myself um, and. Right. You know, as as bad as that sounds, like that is that is racing. Like, there's a reason that we don't play team sports. Like, there's a reason that we do this. Like, I hate to say it, but you're in a sport full of we're we're basically in a, in a sport full of people who couldn't play team sports because they were self-centered. Um, <clears throat> they 
usually don't trust other people and they're almost always in in a do or die situation so they fight and, and yep um backs against the wall that's where we with, like it yep yeah, yeah, exactly and, and learning how to deal with other people like me has been tough um you know learning learning how to deal with with multiple others that are in that same exact state of mind all the time has been extremely difficult um but I've made the best of it. I I know for a fact, like, I don't think there's another rider that could do what I did and have the results that I did um, at this point in time. Maybe a couple of years ago, I, I mean, I feel like Caleb's smart enough, like, and he was a good enough rider. But, like, right now, I, I don't think that anybody else would or could do what I've done. Um, but it's it's also, like, for me personally, like I looked at a lot of other racers who tried and they, their back was truly against the wall when they were done racing. And for me personally, like it was, it, it was a hundred percent worth it. And I think that I, I showed that I could do it all while racing and next year, man, it's, it's back downhill. It's been, it's been uphill for a long time. No kidding, dude. That, that is uh, absolutely, uh, it's an undertaking. And like you said, uh, dealing with, uh, being who you are and dealing with a lot of other individuals who are in a similar boat. And, uh, like, I, I don't know if there's anybody, uh, as flaky as those are who are in the motocross industry. And that's got a, like, I'm sure you've gotten some gray hairs on not only your head, probably in your beard as well from this particular year. Um, but uh, like yeah, this uh, as as Ricky Carmichael would say, a lot of learning lessons out of the uh, out of this year. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I I think uh, I think I I I think that it, it's it's a, it's really helped me get into a good position, and um, you know, moving moving forward, I I think that it'll keep me at a place to where. I can afford to continue racing and doing what I love. And it's, it's something that I definitely wanted to start and seemed to be a good time. Like, man, uh, my name's big right now. I might as well use it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And not totally unlike, uh, Jeremy McGrath, who did something similar before you did, uh, Chad Reed, not so much different as well. Um, like, yeah, I, I, we'll see what the, the next years come and, and the thing will likely evolve. Uh, perhaps different manufacturers, different sponsors. Uh, that's how, uh, that's how the, the circus continues to roll. Um, on a little bit of a lighter note, um, you're really good on a dirt bike. Uh, I don't know if you, you've probably noticed that yourself. Other, other people certainly have as well. Um, kind of an off, like kind of off topic question, but how, how old of a motorcycle, like how far back would the bike have to be before you could no longer win, say like the, 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 the sportsman class? Like, is it, is it, kind of, is it, is it like, it, are we would be talking about like some, something from the eighties, like something perhaps Dude, dual I, shock for, for off road. It's so different. Like, you do not have to have a bike to win a race. Right. Like, I, 
I genuinely think that you can, I could take something from the eighties and win an A class. hundred percent. I would love to see that. That'd be cool. That would be I mean, cool. I, I don't know. I'd love to see you on a two stroke. I don't, I can't remember the last time. When was the last time you I mixed mean, I, gas? I, I rode a YZ 252 stroke a little bit last year, mm-hmm. and I rode a KTM, one of the new fuel-injected ones this year, mm-hmm. briefly. Um, it's it's fun. It's uh, definitely enjoyable. Ah. But competitive-wise, I think you can be a top-five guy on it in certain events. Not overall. Not consistently. Interesting. Interesting. So just like weekend warrior, like the, the bike would have to have like circular number plates and dual shock, like before, yeah, dual, uh, yeah, dual shocks before, uh, a guy like myself is, is pulling any time on it. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Something, something along those lines. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if, if off-road and vintage collide at any one moment, but uh, if, if it ever does, I would love to see it. Um, Stuart Baylor here on the on the Verb Moto broadcast. Um, Stuart, uh, tell me a little bit like the last like before I let you go. Shoals, uh, the MX facility. It's a place where kids are riding and learning and becoming safer and more knowledgeable about not only riding their bikes but the bikes themselves. Uh, tell me a little bit about how what makes that place so special and different from the others. Man, you know, to me personally, I feel like it's it, it's a little bit because I mix the industry, you know, I, I, I mix some of the off-road with the motocross and, um, you know, a, a, a slightly different style, uh, to me, to me, fast is fast. Like I don't care if you're motocross, if you're supercross, if you're off-road, like fast is fast. There are, there are steps that you can take to become a great racer. And there are steps that you can take to go backwards and, a lot of the facilities that I see train speed every single day. Right. And it's like, what exactly is speed? Is it how fast you enter the corner, how fast you exit the corner, or how long you can do it? To most of these facilities, it's how fast you can enter a corner. Some of them realize, hey, entrance speed upsets the suspension. Let's be consistent. Let's exit the corner better. Um, and that equates how long you can do it. We can do this more than one time. We can do it more than 10 times. We can do it a thousand times. To me, that is, that is speed. A guy that can run a GNCC and win a GNCC and also compete on a motocross track is lethal. Um, maybe not in amateur ranks because you're racing for five, seven, 12 minutes. Um, but at the pro ranks, when the races get a little bit longer, that guy is going to be the guy to beat, not always the guy that, that won the amateur ranks. Yeah, no, I think mean, that's extremely well said. Um, where can people find out more information on uh, on Shoals and uh, and all the things that you guys have going on down there? I'm sure that uh, after this round coming up, uh, that'll even get more of your focus than it already has. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, after, after the last round, that's kind of the full 
full thing is, is staying there and getting everything ready for the winter. Um, I usually put the most of it on Instagram. Um, to me, it's just the easiest place. So we do have a website, but easiest place, Instagram, the, the number you see on there is my personal number. So hit me up, um, discuss your plans and see, see what your thoughts are. But yeah, we're, uh, we're filling up for the winter pretty quick and that's usually our busy time. That's when everybody's finding their way to a facility to get in the Southeast and train for the cold, during the cold months for the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, hit me up on there. Love to see you guys come down. And, um, you know, our, we, we are majority motocross, but I have a, a, a good split group and it's, it, it's shown on both sides. We've had some phenomenal results from off-road guys that wanted to try a motocross race that then won, won motos at Loretta's, um, and vice versa, some moto guys that wanted to try an off-road race who won some GNCC. So, um, yeah, absolutely come hit us up, and uh, you definitely won't regret it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for making the time for us this, this evening. Uh, I know this week has thrown you a few wrenches. I hope this weekend goes uh, great for you, regardless of what the point standings say at the end of the weekend. And, uh, yeah, rolling into an eventful week, uh, off season, which will see me uh, celebrating, bringing in the new year uh, alongside you, both holding uh, uh, more, more than likely uh, cold bush light or, or whatever else ha- happens to be in our cup. Maybe an entire bottle of liquor. Perhaps it'll be an entire <laughs> bottle of liquor. Uh, Stuart Bader I'm pretty here. sure that's how me and Zach Heron brought in the new year last year. Well, let's. Uh, so you have big shoes to feel. If, if if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't <laughs> fix it. Uh, yeah, let's uh, rinse, lather, repeat on that. And uh, yeah, this has been good, my friend. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. There you have it, another podcast done and dusted here on the Verb Pod Network. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. Isn't it interesting to hear from a guy like Stu Baylor, who has been around for so long in the off-road industry? He's seen this sport completely evolve into what it's become to this day, and it's really interesting to sort of get his perspective on a few things as things have sort of changed and become what they are. Uh, I hope that you guys will enjoy this episode as well as the many others that we have archived on the Verb Pod Network. Check them out. Check out the Vanilla Pod. Check out the Squad Pod. Heck, maybe even check out a brand new episode of Moto Album, which is just dropped. We have two so far, one with Brett Q and another one with some motocross legend goes by the name of Jeff Emig. You're going to want to go check that out. That's a trip down memory lane you do not want to miss. Thanks to everybody who sponsors this Verb Pod Network uh, special thanks to all of the sponsors on Verb Moto, especially my buddy Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing. If you need yourself a brand new seat, tip to tail, front to back, awesome seats. They have seat bases, seat foam, and of course those seat covers that make, make the bike look that much better. So go check those guys out online, gutsracing.com. Check it out on Motorsport as well. And last but not least, we got to thank the listeners. Thank you guys for checking out these episodes. They are so much fun to do, and they're even more fun when you give a, you guys give us some awesome feedback that you're enjoying these shows. So uh, thanks to you guys for checking in. We'll see you next time.